0: And just, you know, those kids are just sitting right out in front of me, and I didn't use a pulpit, and no notes or anything like that, and I just kind of write, one of, them, one of the girls talk, told me one day, she said, I, you look like you're going to spring on us. I, you know, I was just kind of right down there with them, I was going to do that tonight until this thing blew up. And I could just tell I was scratching where they itched that down beneath the facade that we wear to church, there is impurity and sin. Is it time for us to get beyond get down beneath the facade and the mask and find out who we really are? Just really get down there and come clean before God. Some of them did, many of them did and We got back to our room, and I was staying with the guy who was doing the music this that week the, the, during the camp, and his friend he brought from Louisiana and the director of the camp who is a dear young man who grew up in the church where I used to pastor, and, and we just got to sitting around, and we began to share. Are you listening? We began to share how much we felt that what we do as Christians is just a game for a lot of folk. i tell you, it's breaking my heart. That a lot of what we do is just a game. We just playing at it, and 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 come in, you know, and, and, and my friend and his experience has been devastating to me. I can't handle it because that young lady in you know I have always felt was just the epitome of the Christian walk, and it's just been a game. And I'm devastated by the fact that so many people to whom I have had such confidence and in whom I've had such confidence and faith, I find out that beyond the facade is just a game that we play. That doesn't fool God. Is it time for us to get beyond the facade to what we really are in the heart? Are you pure there? Now, I'm not talking about thinking bad thoughts. I'm talking about your motives and what you're doing. Ted Williams was one of the greatest baseball players ever played a game. When he was 40 years old, he got a pinched nerve in his neck. It was a devastating season. He batted 256 and hit 10 home runs. He he played with one-year contracts. At the end of the season, they sent him a contract with a big pay raise. He was making the highest salary of anybody in professional sports at a time. He was making as much as the president of the United States. He got the contract, looked at it, and sent it back. Quote, I sent it back, wouldn't sign it. I said, I want the full cut in salary I deserve. I've always been treated fair, he said, by the management. All I want is what I deserve. That's pure in heart. I wonder sometimes how we live with ourselves. One of the preachers in London lived out in the suburbs. They ride the train in. He got on the train one morning, had some folding money in his, in his, uh, in his pocket, and he handed it to the man who was running the train, and he handed him back some change, several shillings, put it in his pocket, went and sat down, looked at it. He'd given him back too much. When he looked at how much he had, he thought, "Well, the Lord provides in the most unusual ways, doesn't he? You know, I, I've been kind of low, and God's provided. And then he thought, I, I can't do that. I can't keep that. And so when he got off the train, he stopped at the person running the train. He said, You gave me too much change. The man said, I know it. I was there yesterday and heard you preach on honesty. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. They shall see Him where? They'll see Him in every place. They're honest. I got to say that again. You want to see God. You want to know the face of God. Oh, we hear these yearning cries. I just want to know God. I tell you, you'll see God everywhere. You're honest with yourself and with Him. A.W. Tozier said, All things being equal, Christians will progress and grow to the same degree that they're honest with themselves. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's the only time this word ever appears in the New Testament. Do you know that? This is the only place. It doesn't mean blessed are those who are afraid of conflict, who are avoid trouble, or or who flee confrontation, or or who uh, can't stand controversial things and dodge them. It doesn't mean peace at any price. This is what this means. Listen to me. It means blessed are those who in any situation pursue as the bottom line peace. Now, it may be sometime that we have to confront difficult situations, and it may be sometimes that we cannot evade controversy. It may be that we're going to have to confront some difficult situations and deal with trouble. But the peacemaker is a man who pursues in every situation the bottom line, as the bottom line, peace. Blessed is the person who never starts a quarrel but seeks to finish one. Blessed are those who give answers that are not abrasive. And Paul says it in, not, in Romans 14, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Now that's true in your home. If there is unrest and, and, and trouble in your home, what is your role there? A peacemaker, that's what. And what if in school there is unrest and trouble? What is your role there, both as faculty and student? Your role is peace. A peacemaker. And what if there's turmoil where you live your life out, in the sphere of your life? What is your role there? It's a peacemaker. It's to pursue as the bottom line, peace. And the word pursue means to go at it as though it were a matter of life and death, and it is. Blessed are the peacemakers. What are they? Why? Because they shall be called the sons of God. You know why? Because you look like Him. You're most like God the Father when you're pursuing peace as the bottom line. People used to say to me, "You just you look just like your daddy." Now, they really do like to say that because he had a big stomach. You say, "You, you look just like Buck. You look just like your daddy. That used to make me so proud, you know. You look just like your father when you're pursuing peace as the bottom line. You look least like the father when you're in the center of a controversy or causing one in church or anywhere else. Blessed are they who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, that seemed like a strange place to put that beatitude, doesn't it? Right after peacemaking, but it isn't. Charles Spurgeon had had the tabernacle of London when he was 27 years old. He was a preacher. And he packed that thing out. When he was 27, people came to hear every word, he said, and had no place to sit and had standing room only and several services, this great orator and preacher. But folks got after him all the time. In fact, sometimes Spurgeon would get so depressed he'd come to America just to get away from over there. And he'd been on a preaching mission. People had been chewing at him and, and causing controversy around where he was. And when he got home, his wife had taken this verse... 10, 11, and 12, these verses. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. She took that, painted it on the ceiling right over his bed. And he got in late one night from this preaching mission and he'd just been worked over and he was tired and he went to bed, went to sleep, didn't even notice. The next morning woke up and that's the first thing he saw. And his wife said, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, you're in good company, you're one of the prophets. You can tell a person by the friends he keeps, let me tell you something, You can tell a person by the enemies he makes just as much. You ever been persecuted for Jesus' sake? Have you? Have you ever been persecuted for Jesus' sake? Have you? Then you need to go home and ask God to give you that privilege. Now, if you're in this thing here, and, you know, I don't get to preach but once a Sunday. Um, don't you go now and, 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 and uh, get any ideas about calling this guy here that preached this morning here as pastor. Now, we've, you've already got one. I told him, I said, now you'll go home and you'll brag to your pastor that you preached down there and all these people got saved and joined the church. And I just want you to know that we had all that ready for you just before you got here. You didn't have anything to do with it. Indispensable influences for our good is where we are in this this thing. You're the salt of the earth. Let me tell you something about salt. You've heard this so many times. You could say it for me, but I'm going to just remind you of it. Salt preserves. I grew up on a farm where we killed our own animals, our pork, our and, uh, and preserved it, had a smokehouse, and we'd kill those, uh, those hogs in the fall, and we'd get in there, and we had this salt that you rub into the meat to preserve it, and we'd cure our own uh, hams, hang them up in the, in the uh, smokehouse. And where that salt was, it would preserve that meat for, you know, for, for weeks and months. You are the salt of the earth. This world, this community, this, this school where you are, the home where you live is the meat and you're the salt. And if that meat decays and rots and it's doing it fast, it's not the fault of the meat. It's your fault for you're the salt and mine. And salt adds flavor. I'm afraid that's not what you know, a lot of people think about Christianity. Robert Louis Stevenson said, put in his diary, this entry, I went to church this morning and I wasn't depressed. As though he got depressed every time he went to church. He, he was surprised. I went to church and I didn't get depressed. If there is in this worried world one person who is serene, it ought to be God's person, a Christian. If in this world where there is depression, there ought to be one person who is not, and that's a Christian. For what salt is to meat, to food, Christianity is to life. It adds vitality and zest to it. And I'm so, I was so glad, you know, just to be there with those kids this weekend and see the life that just vibrates in them. You know, I'd almost forgotten how it was It's great to be alive and to be a Christian. And salt stings. It purifies, but it stings. Wherever there's salt, it's going to hurt some folk. He said, you're the light of the world. Can I give you three ideas that come to mind about that? Light is silent. When you're light, you don't have to tell anybody you are. When you're a Christian, you don't have to blow your trumpet. Hey, I'm a super Christian. Look at all I'm doing. You don't have to do that if you're a Christian. If you're a light, you don't have to tell anybody. Light is silent. Light leads. Here's a man coming into the dark across this frozen lake. He's lost his way. But yonder is a small light, and he moves toward it. It gives guidance. Light leads. Light stands out. If you are a genuine Christian, you can't keep it a secret. If you're a genuine, look, you think you wouldn't stand out? I mean, like a sore thumb if you live like that. Let me let me tell you. Let me let's do this. Why don't you just practice this, be the way the Beatitudes for a week. When, when this next week or the next, wherever you are, you think you won't stand out like a sore thumb? I dare you to get in a dark room and let someone strike a match and you not notice it. You can't keep from noticing. That's where you look. You're the light of the world. If you're a Christian, you're going to stand out as a Christian. And there's something basically wrong with the nature of your Christianity if you do not stand out as a Christian. can't keep that secret. And I've talked to people, you know, I say, is your husband a Christian? Well, I really don't know if he is or not. Or, uh, how about so-and-so, uh, well, I don't know. i tell you something. You'll know a Christian <laughs> when there is one. Isn't that right? I mean, the Scripture says that. I mean, the song says that. You'll know a Christian by their love. Nothing else. If you're the salt of the earth, people are going to say when they walk away from you, that guy is a Christian. I know he is. Or that girl is a Christian. And I hope that some of them have to say, I'm not going to take him out on a day or take her out on a day. She's a Christian. I don't want to go with her. I hope they say that about you. You're different. Now, the personal response to our role, and I'll quit. Number one. It's right down in Roman numeral four. Number one, A, I am different. I'm marked out by God as unique. Your greatest enemy will be conformity. You are different. Number two, I am responsible I have a responsibility I can't get away from it I'm the salt of the earth and I'm the light of the world and that bears tremendous responsibility I have a responsibility see I am influential I am influential Now my influence may be good or it may be bad but I am influential. Will you pray with me? Holy Father when we grow up we want to be a slave the object of our growth the end result of it servanthood we, we acknowledge that the reason Father we confess the reason we're not servants is that we've never grown up Lord we want to grow up be a servant make a difference in our world right now Father help us come clean before you get right be honest help us to realize it doesn't do any good to play the game God I pray that to help us to come clean and be honest. Bless this moment now as we wait an invitation for personal response that you might have your will done in everything in every life. Now would you look here just a minute. I'm going to give an invitation. The first invitation is for those of you who need to deal honestly with your own lostness? Have you ever really and truly experienced personal salvation? Have you ever really and truly confessed your sin to God, invited Jesus Christ into your life for salvation? trusted Jesus and Jesus only? I mean, have you ever experienced that which changed you and your life? Would you like to come and confess faith in Jesus Christ? That is, with your mouth say, I want Jesus as my Savior and I trust Him and Him only. Second invitation. For those of us who are already Christians to respond to what God has placed right in the heart and mind tonight for you to do maybe to join the church rededicate yourself to God surrender to God's call of ministry and vocation maybe just to say I want to come I want to be here and kneel and just deal with God and not with man, not the pastor just deal with God in prayer to give you that opportunity because God wants us to have that opportunity while we stand and while we sing. You recognize the invitation, you sing it with.